0: Welcome everybody to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to welcome all of our viewers. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Tonight, we are going to be breaking down the season 11 premiere of The Walking Dead. It's been so tough. I've seen the first two episodes now almost three weeks ago, and it's been really hard keeping our mouths shut, but we did it. And I hope you guys watched the episode this past Sunday, and I hope you enjoyed it. We're gonna be breaking it down. We're gonna be reading some reviews on what the media has to say about that. And uh we're just gonna go deeper into it. Uh before we get to The Walking Dead though, some announcements. Uh tomorrow we're gonna to have a guest, Mauro Ivan uh, Ojeda, uh Latin American filmmaker, and tomorrow is gonna to be sort of a monumental day for us here at Dead Talk Live. It's going to be our first interview done with an interpreter. Morrow's English is not that good, so we are going to be having an interpreter, which should be fascinating. I'm very excited about that, Um, and it should be interesting. And I hope you guys tune in. As you guys probably have noticed, we are expanding our guest list because there are so many amazing filmmakers Uh, outside the United States. I mean, it would be completely ignorant to say that all the great filmmakers are in the United States. That is just completely false. There are a lot of great filmmakers all around the world, and we want to give them coverage and a chance to promote their work. So, uh, you know, you may have seen the notice lately. We've been bringing in A lot of filmmakers from all around the world so we're going to continue that tomorrow and uh, our guest list is pretty packed going well into the first week of September Uh, please go to our website to see all of our upcoming guests and uh, who we have in store for you and as the confirmations keep coming in we will keep updating that site so please go ahead and uh, check up on that I want to welcome Lisa is with us. Oh, and by the way, the interpreter for tomorrow is our very own executive producer, Efren Rodriguez. So I hope he's ready for his big screen debut. It would not be, you know, fair for me to not really try to psych him out about being on the screen. So I'm going to do my damn best tonight to really scare the shit out of him about what's to come tomorrow. Because uh, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. <laughs> anyway, just messing with you, man. Wanna welcome Lisa, Colette, Rachel uh is with us. Uh in Australia. Nice. Welcome Rachel. Uh Jen is also with us. Jennifer. Monica. Hard productions. Welcome Ethan. Uh Autiste is also with us as well. Uh Autiste says, wait, this show is still going? Yeah, we're going stronger than ever. If you're talking about our show, Death Talk Live, uh, we're right at the 16-month mark, and things are going great. Uh, thanks for joining us, Autiste. Um, Colette says I'll help his English. Colette is, of course, from the United Kingdom. Welcome to Philip. Welcome all our friends, uh, Jordan, Trello, uh My mom just tuned in. Which is, my mom's in Greece right now, so it's like 4, 5.45 in the morning over there. So, yeah, that's a mother for you, getting up early to see her son on TV. Anyway, uh, San19 is also joining us. Uh, Jennifer writes, hi, mom. Uh, I did say hello to my mom. I mean, she watches. You see, here's the thing about my mom. Well, my mom has been living in the United States for almost 50 years. Uh, You know, with my dad before he passed away 10 years ago. And all the time, living in the United States, there are citizens, the whole nine yards. But my mom cannot put an English sentence together. That's because in New York City, you can completely isolate yourself to the community of... Uh, What's the right word I'm looking for here? I don't want to screw it up. But you can basically isolate yourself within your own uh, community. And that was a real detriment to her. There's no excuse for being, for living in the United States for 50 years and not being able to put an English sentence together. So I'm calling my mom out. You know, I'm calling her out. My dad was a little bit better, but still not the best. Anyway, I got a call. So, you know, to keep it fair and, uh, you know, not sparing anybody, I just called my own mom out, you know? So definitely don't get offended if you guys get called out because I just called out my mom. Anyway, some exciting news today. Now, actually, yesterday we made the announcement that here uh, at Dead Talk Media, which is the production company that. Produces that talk live. uh, We are putting together a kind of rather unique film festival. Uh, It's called Sin Exposé, and we came out with the official announcement yesterday. And, you know, media outlets have been picking it up. And to my very pleasant surprise, Dread Central picked up the story and wrote it. And we are going to be starting with that article right now. So here it is from J- Dread Central. Sin Exposé is a new virtual film festival festival celebrating horror. And it starts by saying, Stop screaming and start streaming with Sin Exposé, the all-new virtual horror fest coming this winter. Just as the wise words of Hellraiser Hellworld poster professed in 2005, Evil Goes Online, this is now true thanks to Dead Talk Media, the group behind the popular horror entertainment talk show, Dead Talk Live. Today, Dead Talk announced a brand new virtual film festival called Cinexpose, totally geared towards horror, but you can call her CXF. I I think it's so cute that they gave the festival a pronoun. It's a she. It's a girl. We have a girl. This all-new festival is scheduled to run from December 16th through the 19th of this year, just in time for Sandy Claus. With a thousand genre festivals flexing during the Halloween season, a hot new genre fest Gearing up to take down Christmas is exactly what we needed. Thank you, Sinexpose, for doing the Lord's work. Cinexposé is filmmaker-friendly. The festival offers filmmakers the opportunity to submit their films without any fees. All of their films will be scheduled to air live to an invitation-only audience consisting of film studios, producers, and a select number of horror fans. That's you guys. So if you guys want to get in on the action and watch some new never-before-seen seen, never before seen horror movies, horror shorts, and get on that list, just keep tuning in to our show, Dead Talk Live, and you guys will receive your invitation. Now, Dead Talk Live, which is us, Already has a massive online following, an audience they will be sure to mobilize for their new festival initiative. The show is available on Screenbox, Amazon Prime Video, and streams live online to their ever growing audience. And in regards to that, I never got a chance to mention this. I want to congratulate my whole team. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we surpassed 400,000 combined followers. I think we're like at 410,000 right now. So good job to my entire team. I love my team. You guys are doing an awesome job. And it's hard to believe that we've been doing this for 16 months. And when I started this show, I had 72,000 Instagram followers. I then opened up accounts on Facebook, YouTube, everywhere else, and we have surpassed 400 plus thousand followers. I mean, that's just amazing. Uh, We have a film, we have a television distribution deal. We're on television. I mean, truly, it's unbelievable. And I'm just so proud of what we've accomplished here and my team. And when I say that, it's not you guys can't say they've been doing this for the money because we have not received a red cent yet. Nothing. No payouts yet. And they have been doing this because they believe in what we're doing. And I tell you guys, I've gotten a lot of requests from people who are just so focused on growing their social media following. And I always go to them, all right, let's say you get your desired number of followers, what are you going to do with them? So this is, this festival is exactly how to give back. All right. Uh, We are film fans. We are film fans. We are entertainment fans, television fans. So we know there are a lot of filmmakers out there. And the biggest obstacle, one of the biggest obstacles when it comes to, putting an idea that you have in your head from in your mind to on paper to actually shooting it post-production and to get it seen by an audience is incredibly difficult. So with our 400,000 plus followers, we want to give our audience, sorry, we want to give the filmmakers that audience to display their work and You know, through the grace of God, I've been lucky. I've made some amazing connections, a ton of connections in the entertainment industry, studios, distributors, producers, directors. And those are the people that when this film festival airs in December are going to get invited. And our hope is to connect filmmaker with people that will distribute the film. That's it. That's what we want to do. And we don't want to charge them a fee to submit their films, okay? Because money is the biggest obstacle. It's the biggest obstacle to making movies, uh, getting them finished, all the way to distribution. So what we did with our following, because I always ask the people that message me, you you know, do a story about me. And I've proven many people wrong. I've done stories, Instagram stories on them, and they've gained like zero followers. I tell them it does not work that way. It just does not work that way. So you got to have in mind, for all the people out there that are really interested in getting a big following, you got to ask yourself the question, if you actually accomplish that, what are you going to do with those followers? Just because you have X amount of followers does not mean, bam, you're getting paid, okay? We have over 400,000 combined followers, and we have not seen a red cent yet, not a single red cent. Now, that is going to change. I'm keeping it real. I'm not holding anything back. That is going to change very soon, but I didn't know that was going to happen. You just, you know... Entertainment is just a big risk. Everything's a risk. You take a risk, and I'm just so grateful, again, to my team and what we've done. And they've all been doing it because they truly believe in in me. Thank you. They believe in what we're doing. And I'm just blessed to be working with such a great family and to get to put up with my, you know, smart-ass personality, too. (laughs) <laughs> so thank you guys uh, Colette Khaleesi writes congratulations That Talk Live Khaleesi is a part of our family uh, she is a moderator and Khaleesi does a little bit of everything writing moderating Khaleesi you are invaluable to our team you literally do a little bit of everything so thank you thank you so much uh, Lisa uh that's Khaleesi. She's switching platforms on me. Uh, Rachel on uh, writes, uh, hit that thumbs up, guys. Share and subscribe. Uh, so, just looking over the chats. Colette writes, that's because of your bald, beautiful presentation. Damn right, Colette. Bald is sexy. All right? I remember as a young guy, I was just fascinated with my hair, and yeah, the my body had other plans in mind. So, Bald is sexy. Don't forget that. And I love the people that come on Instagram, all the young teenagers who think they're insulting me by calling me Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean was a pretty damn good looking guy, if you ask me. I think Mr. Clean is sexy. Uh, Rachel writes, I think you're a pretty cool dude. Thank you, Rachel. That means a lot to me. Uh, Khaleesi, who is platform jumping, Um. Says I'm using two phones. So, anyway, uh, going on with this article, uh, the quote by our uh, executive producer, Efren Rodriguez, who's going to be our uh, interpreter tomorrow, his quote reads We want to allow filmmakers of this amazing genre to have their work shown and picked up for distribution without any limitations says Efren Rodriguez, who is the film festival's director. Sin Exposé is just uh, one of the many yet-to-come ventures planned as the company, Dead Talk Media, delves deeper into the film industry. And there's a link to our website. uh, And Then it goes on to say, will you be checking yourself into Sin Exposé? Let me know on Twitter, writes the author. I'm always down to talk about All Things Seasonally Spooky. And just to give you guys a quick uh, glimpse into our website, uh, for those of you out there inspiring filmmakers who might be interested, and you have enough time, you have three months. If you have a concept and you want to put together a movie, movies have been done with a less than zero budget. You just got to get really creative, really innovative, believe in what you're doing, and put everything you have into it and you just never know so here's the website for sin expose stop screaming start streaming 2021 virtual horror film festival is here and you can directly uh check out the website sin expose you can submit your film you can read everything the faqs everything there is to know So there you guys have it. We're really excited about that. And like I said, the festival is going to be happening from December 16th through the 19th, right before Christmas. And it just worked out perfectly. I think uh, a film festival in December is a perfect time to hold a film festival. So looking forward and a lot of... uh, I got to be a little biased here and say all of our regular viewers that tune in every night you guys are going to be getting invitation to every screening. So, you know, you don't have to do anything special, uh, you know, thank you so much for tuning in every night. And you guys, I'm telling you right now, as of my promise, you will be getting the private invitation for each and every screening that we're going to be showing at this film festival. Now, if you remember, as I was reading that article, uh we stated that it is, it is by invitation only, and there's a very practical reason for that. We're not trying to hold back from our entire uh, followers, but in order to make a film attractive to uh, distributors, producers, and whatnot, you can't just show it to the world for free. Then nobody's going to pick it up. Uh It would be nice if the world worked that way and you get compensated somehow. So that's why it's going to be by invitation only. The movies, the film projects, the shorts are going to be shown uh, live by invitation only on YouTube. And they won't be archived. Uh, You know, we we want to make it as exclusive as possible uh, for everybody that's invited to see it and make their own decision on it. Uh, And we are also going to be, you guys are gonna be able to vote. Those who watch the movies, you'll be able to vote on the top 10. And the top four selections, the top four winners of the Exposé Film Festival, are going to get uh, featured right here on Dead Talk Live. We're gonna get all of them together on an episode, and we're going to have each and every one of them describe their film, their short. What was their inspiration? How hard was it to make? Uh, and them ultimately being the winners of the festival. It's the equivalent. It's the equivalent of our awards to those who worked very hard and made it into the top four list. So make sure to check that out. Uh, Efren wants me to remind everyone how we'll be we will be selecting winners. Efren is the director of this uh, film festival. Basically, there's going to be a voting system that has uh, not yet been fully implement and, sorry implemented, and basically it's going to be an, through an app, and you get to vote on who is the winner. And basically, when the festival is over, that's how we'll know. Gets the awards, so pretty simple there. Now, let's get on to The Walking Dead. Uh, this past Sunday, August 22nd, season 11 of The Walking Dead premiered, and I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. And it's a two parter. Uh, part one premiered two days ago, part two is going to premiere this coming Sunday uh and those of you who watched part one it sort of ended on a cliffhanger we saw Negan abandoning Maggie as she was being literally surrounded by walkers as she was trying to climb up that train car and Negan just left her now here's a little spoiler if you even want to call it that Maggie is not dead I've seen the second episode So that's not much of a spoiler. I think everyone here knows that Maggie's not going to die in the season 11 premiere of The Walking Dead. Uh, So Maggie's not dead. And that's the only spoiler you're going to get in regards to episode two uh, coming next Sunday. Uh, I do got to tell you, if I had to pick which of the two episodes uh, in the beginning of season 11 I liked the most, they're pretty equal, they're both very uh great. And they both end on a cliffhanger. I'm not gonna tell you what the second episode cliffhanger is, but I would ha- I would have to say that um the second episode, uh the one that's coming up this Sunday, I favor slightly a little bit more. Uh a lot of cool stuff. And just to touch on that episode that we watched this past Sunday We've been watching Jeffrey Dean Morgan on The Walking Dead now since the end of season six. And I can't... And Jeffrey Dean Morgan is an amazing actor. And I cannot think of another performance like the one he gave in the season 11 premiere. Uh, He was just absolutely amazing uh, as Negan. And if you guys have been... um, following the news in regards to that episode, Jeffrey Dean Morgan came out and said that he was very opposed to that line when they're all talking in the subway uh, to where he referred to putting Glenn down like a dog. The, uh, the actor had a problem with saying that, uh, but, and I totally understand why, it really surprised me, but it I think the writers really insisted on it because it really goes into showing Negan's state of mind that in regards to Maggie, he's like, I've had enough. If you're going to kill me, do it. Don't take me away from the prying eyes of Alexandria and kill me. And make it seem like an accident. The walkers got me. Just do it. Right here. Right now. He basically told her to, you know, man up, for lack of a better term. But the interaction between Maggie and, and Negan was fantastic. You know, my uh, my brother, who's also an executive producer, said he would not be surprised if by the end of the series... Maggie and Negan become lovers. Now, I don't see that happening. It would be interesting, but I just I can't visualize that. Will they develop not even a friendship, but some sort of trust? Yeah, I think so. And what's interesting about that is Daryl. Now, Daryl This is my opinion. Daryl really wants to put what happened in the past in the past in regards to Negan. Uh, I think when it comes to Daryl's point of view, Negan has done what he needed to do to prove himself. But he's torn because if he had to pick between Negan and Maggie, Maggie's going to win every day of the week, twice on Sunday... So he has this loyalty to Maggie and I think that is what's holding him back from you know fully accepting Negan and the fact that he has changed he's not the same person he you know that we met at the end of season 6 he's not the same person that brutally murdered Abraham and Glenn and all the other atrocities that he committed uh, it's Maggie. It's his loyalty to Maggie and Beth that is preventing him from fully embracing Negan. So, and as we saw again, Daryl did take another swing at him uh, in that subway station. Uh, see, the, episode, the second episode is really fascinating. Uh, you're definitely going to watch that. Uh, both part one and part two are great. Well, like I said, I'm favoring the second episode just a little bit more than the first episode. Um, Let's see. I'm just reading Princess. Oh, my God. Princess is just absolutely phenomenal in the uh, premiere. Uh, So is um, uh, Yumiko, Eugene, King Ezekiel. That's the other, you know, group that is introducing us to the commonwealth. But Princess, with every episode, uh that character is surprising us more and more. And I don't remember if this is in the second episode or the first. I believe it's in the first. Uh where they're sitting around the table in their little fenced in cage at the Commonwealth intake facility. And Princess Starts revealing all these facts about the stormtroopers, the Commonwealth soldiers, and how she's picked up that this person is flirting with that person. And then you see Yumiko and uh, Eugene and Ezekiel all looking at each other and saying, how the hell do you know this? She's a very observant person. That's a talent. Okay, she picks up on things. Uh, and she is just adorable, and she's she brings she literally brings a breath of fresh air to this show that it desperately needs, and she is quickly becoming a fan favorite. Uh, Yumiko Eleanor Matsura was absolutely amazing. She was a guest of ours. I messaged her after I saw the uh, the episodes a couple of weeks ago. I told her you were freaking fantastic. She was very gracious. Uh, Everyone, it was great. Uh, Perfect start to season 11. Uh, So let's go ahead and read this article. And as we read through this article, we'll be talking and breaking it down even further. So The Walking Dead season 11, episode one review, uh, uh, Acheron part one, a desperate survival mission and a desperate escape attempt to uncover some awkward new information for unlikely people on The Walking Dead Season 11 premiere. It's amazing that Jeffrey Dean Morgan has been able to accomplish with Negan's redemption arc in a few short episodes of The Walking Dead. It wasn't all that long ago that Negan was still a villain, but a great bottle episode and a mission. An emission mission behind enemy lines to save Alexandria is enough to push him well down the road to a redemption arc, even if Maggie seems bound and determined not to fall for it. At no point during Acheron Part 1 is Negan unreasonable. If anything, he is the only reasonable member of the party, and when he speaks up, It's clear that people are listening to him to Maggie's uh, consternation and detriment. Um, He is the voice of reason. And I love his line, uh, basically, when he refers to himself as as their DC tour guide. He was telling them it was a bad idea to go into the tunnels. And, well, it was. It was a freaking bad idea. It's not that Maggie is being unreasonable as much as it is Negan is being reasonable. And that creates some issues in the group. Maggie has a right to be angry, and all of her friends are willing to take her side. But Daryl and the Alexandrians know just how much they owe to Negan, and while he's a dick, he's still kind of right, which puts them in a quandary. A, reoccur- a reoccurring Twitter meme springs to mind. The click-hole deadlo- headline, heartbreaking, the worst person you know, just made a great point. Throughout the episode, Negan keeps making great points when the rain is too high, when the subway is prone to flooding, when they pass through a mass grave that might still be in use, Negan keeps making great points about the dangers the group faces that Maggie ignores because she is in charge. Even when Negan points out she's not exactly leading well because she's only paying attention to him. And I love that line. I am living in Maggie's head, rent free. I love that line and trying to kill him through misadventure. She can't argue with him, except at the very end when it's too late to listen to reason and try a different tactic. One of the big reoccurring issues for The Walking Dead across its 11 seasons is that leadership comes with a heavy mantle. Either you're making the decisions all on your own as a dictatorship or you're making them as part of an inefficient dictatorship with a council making decisions. Either way, the pressure seems to lie on one person's head pretty consistently, no matter who was involved in the decision making, Rick, Gabriel, or Maggie. The decisions might be made by the group, But the buck tends to stop with whoever the figurehead is. And I don't understand why, of all that people in that group, in that subway, why Maggie over Daryl? Okay, yeah, they're going to Meridian, which uh, was Maggie's community uh, for the majority of the time that she was missing from the show. But we didn't get to see that part i don't know if it was ever filmed but maggie does say that she was elected to lead this group on this mission now in the case of the group uh, of alexandrians tromping through the sewers it's maggie by vote in the case of the alexandrians captured by the commonwealth and taken into an interrogation camp it's eugene by default whether these people are best equipped to be in charge is a different story. one that Acheron part one digs in towards the end of those respective episode segments. Either way, one person's perso- sorry, one personal mission ends up getting everyone deeper than they'd expected, and there's no easy way out for either side. Full credit to Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Negan's behavior is toned down since the change in showrunner in Angela Kang and James Barnes' script. The former savior is downright sane and logical. He brings up good points, albeit in an annoying Negan way, and he baits Maggie into a pretty impressive fight between the two of them. Morgan does well with the words he's given, and his reasoning as to why he's being dragged along on this de- desperate mission hits home with the people around him, even Daryl, and the viewers at home. It makes sense why he brought along uh, he was brought along, considering Maggie's antipathy for him. and while Lauren Cohen gives socks to Maggie's rebuttal, It doesn't land as solidly as Jeffrey Dean Morgan's half of the tete-a-tete, and it feels a little hollow to suggest that cutting a few hours off of a suicide mission makes upping the danger significantly worth the trade-off, and it exposes the rift between the Alexandrians, who know what Negan did for them, and Maggie's group, who only know the Negan horror stories. Maggie, to her credit, doesn't deny Negan's accusations and that emotional ramp-up pays dividends at the end of the episode. I mean, think of it yourself. You're Negan, you're on top of that train. Maggie's the last one trying to climb up. She's being surrounded by zombies. She's just pretty much come out and said that she does want to kill you. Do you help her up that train? No. Why would he? I don't blame him one bit. Uh, Lisa writes that Daryl is a reluctant leader. Daryl is not the kind of leader that Rick was. Who will stand on top of a box and give that whole speech before they go charging. Daryl leads by example. Two completely different leaders, both very efficient. Uh, Maggie, on the other hand, I mean, we saw what she did for the hilltop, but she does let her emotions get the best of her. And Season 11, Episode 1 is a perfect example of that. Now, the Commonwealth storyline also continues to play out with some pretty clever montages courtesy of Kang Barnes and TV veteran director Kevin Dowling. While the action in the tunnel is straight ahead, All scary noises and shifting zombies and bags. The Commonwealth is a bit more psychological, as Eugene, Ezekiel, Yumiko, and Princess all are interrogated by the mysterious intake committee of the Commonwealth and their multi-stage Scientology-like intake system. (laughs) Uh, Ezekiel's ability to smell a rat is impressive, on its own but princess is the person who provides the group with the most surprising and useful insights thanks to her solid memory and her ability to read the world around her while the rest of the group was busy trying not to go crazy at the hands of their interrogation team paola lazaro remains a delight in this role at all times in this episode and it is much-needed comic relief. Now, there are a lot of positives. Uh, you know, before we continue, what did you guys think of those bodies wrapped in bags in the subway station? What do you think that was about? We don't really get an explanation. Uh, it's not like, you know, there was there an underground community there. And as people slowly died... They made sure they didn't come back by destroying the brain and then wrap them up to prevent the smell or whatnot. Uh, They were walkers, tied up purposely and left down in that subway station. My question to you is why? Why? Why do that? Are you preventing people from going further down that subway station? I mean, I saw the second part, but it doesn't really answer that question. There are a lot of positives in Acheron Part 1, starting with the terse, wordless, cold opening and that brilliant, nervy synth score to the increasing tension in the tunnels under suburban Virginia. But after the heights of the previous season's COVID episodes, there's a slight letdown. It's settling the table that can take time. Maggie might lack it, and Alexandria might not have time for it, but patient tends to be rewarded in the end. And that's it. That's all they have to say. Uh, I've got some more to say about the opening sequence. We, uh, we got to see napping walkers again, uh, which we don't get to see very often, in the Walking Dead universe. One of the famous walkers that we saw napping was going all the way back to season three. Uh, The little walker taking a nap in the prison that as soon as Herschel tried to cross him, bit Herschel in the leg, causing Rick to have to do that emergency amputation on Herschel's leg. But all in all, the walkers that we have seen in this universe If there is nothing going on, they just endlessly just roam back and forth. Just go back to uh, the beginning of uh, Season 9, was it? When they go into D.C., go into the museum, and they walk over that glass floor, and there are dead people, walkers down below, uh, supposedly from the beginning of the outbreak, just walking back and forth but here we are in the beginning of season 11 they're in some kind of military installation to get food and they rope themselves down and uh you know every walker is very much a zombie they're not dead dead they are dead walking walking dead um and uh, I think it was a really cool sequence and uh, how the uh, group pulled it off, uh, roping down, getting the supplies. And to pull that mission off and be completely quiet is pretty much impossible. And I loved how it all played out. Walker by walker, they started waking up, going after them. I wonder if the sleeping walkers is just uh, an indication that finally, if enough time has passed, because we're there to assume that the walkers in that military installation were there from the beginning. And so they have been there for, you know, depending on what you use as a reference for the timeline, between 16 to 20 years. Maybe the decay that's been happening over that time is really starting to set in and uh there maybe there is an end to when a person dies reanimates that their reanimated body can only go for a, a certain period of time who knows uh colette writes what amazed me was the ones asleep yeah yeah sophia has given us a smiley love face welcome sophia Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Mark's Barn, who is also joining us. Gaglia is saying hello. Welcome. Welcome to all you guys. And uh, we're 43 minutes into this. I have one other review up. The Walking Dead Season 11 Premiere Recap. Tunnel Vision Plus. Wait. Could that really have been... Spoiler. Um, as, it, as it begins... Its 11th and final season, The Walking Dead took pains to ensure that even the most jaded, seen it all viewer got an eyeful of something new. And I don't just mean potential zombie strap hangers either. No, in Acheron Part 1, we got a gander at walkers doing something they had never done before, not to my re- recollection, anyway, not in mass. The episode also returned to a big, bad, to villainous forms, revealed the nightmarish bureaucracy that is the Commonwealth, hinted at the fate of a long-gone character, and left in jeopardy not only Maggie uh, and my, our favorite character. It says to continue on, we need food, lots of it. As the hours got underway, Darrell, Carol, Maggie, and a whole mess of our regulators stole into Fort Connors to retrieve MREs, meals ready to eat, for an overcrowded and underfed Alexandria. There, they found all the enlisted walkers napping, literally conked out, making Zs. And I guess we've seen zombies go still before, but these guys were as out as me about halfway through any given episode of Fear the Walking Dead. That's a cheap shot. Come on. That's a cheap shot. Not happy with that line. Anyway, once the gang had uh, awakened the dead, grabbed as many snacks as they could, and returned to Alexandria... Darrell warmly hugged Dog, Judith, and RJ, and Maggie exchanged glares with Negan before being told by Herschel that Cole had a surprise for her. A few lost members of their old group, Duncan, Agatha, and Frost, nearby, uh, fights were beginning to break out over food, and there was more to come. The cupboard would be bare in a week, Gabriel warned the principals. Luckily, Maggie knew someplace uh, new where they could score some food. Her old group headquarters, Meridian. Sure, it was currently infested with the Reapers, who slaughtered most of her pals, but it was all well-stocked. And that's quite a, an assumption to make. You have these people who kill off your people and your community and you just assume all the food is still there that, to me is kind of risky to put yourself and everybody else in that danger but if you literally have no other options and you're out of food and the people you need to feed the number keeps growing desperate times call for desperate measures we just need to take it back, she said. In the end, Daryl, Gabriel, Alden, Negan, Dog, Gage, and C. Thomas Howell, which was great. It was great seeing C. Thomas Howell again, uh, whose hilltopper is apparently named Roy, joined Maggie and her old crew on what Rosita called a suicide mission. As night fell on the group, so, so did a whole lot of rain. So they moved underground, continuing to make tracks via the subway beneath Washington, D.C. Over and over, Negan waved red flags that something was amiss down below. But the gang was less keen on listening than in casting him as Chris in a one-man production of Everybody Hates Chris. It ain't working, Huff Daryl. You're trying to run shit. By and by, the group came upon a massive grave, a squirmy, reanimated mass grave, gift-wrapped in plastic. Hey, why didn't they make any noise? Asked C. Thomas Howell, uh, Roy, that's going to take some getting used to. The walkers' throats had all been slashed so deeply, their heads were nearly decapitated, severed. I'm going to need a new pair of underwear, said Gage's expression. Not to worry, insisted Maggie. The Reapers did not do this. These walkers had been killed in the fall. As such, she wanted the path cleared so they could continue. A task which damn near got Gage bitten. After saving the boy, Negan accused Maggie of playing dictator and brushing aside the fact that whoever had slipped the walkers' throats really might still be down there. So, this is a death match, he concluded, and you are the goddamn Pied Piper. With that, he declared himself out, Gage and Roy both deciding to bail as well. Now, you will get to find out in episode two what their fate becomes. He's a kid, but that makes sense. When Maggie protested that they needed Negan because he knew D.C., he couldn't contain his laugh. Nobody here knows how to read a goddamn map. Nah, he knew that this was really about. She wanted him along so that she could get him killed. Or she could kill him. uh, Away from the judgy McJudgersons of Alexandria. He thought Daryl was in on it, but I can tell from that glazed look that that's not the case. Gabriel accused Negan of being paranoid, but I'm right, he shot back. So why didn't Maggie just get it over with? Negan didn't want to be dragged through the slime to be put down like a dog like Glenn had. And that was the line that Jeffrey Dean Morgan had a problem saying. Uh, With that, Daryl slugged him, and Maggie, her rage barely in check, admitted that, yeah, killing him was always on her mind, but just enough of that old her remained for her to leave him breathing. For now, so keep pushing me, Negan, please. Down the tracks away, the group discovered a subway car and a cave-in blocking their path. Oh, and Gage and Roy had snuck away with all of their supplies in the middle of the night, and the fresh walkers were now strolling through the mass grave. Dog, no boy, come back. Skedaddled through a hole beneath the cave-in, Darryl giving him chase. The rest of the gang fought the walkers, then climbed on top of the subway car, Last one up, Maggie found herself being grabbed at by the walkers whose grip was stronger than hers. Negan, she cried out, but his eyes chillier than Frost's name. He just turned away and left her to fall. Meanwhile, in the Commonwealth, as Mercer, who is great. Talk about, you know, played by Michael James Shaw. Great pick to play Mercer. I mean, I love that character already, and we've only seen one episode with him. Uh, Mercer observed Eugene, Ezekiel, Yumiko, and Princess as they were being put through level one assessment, which consisted of an endless battery of questions about the number of bowel movements they took in a day. I mean, literally, okay, we know because of the comic books what the Commonwealth is about. How their society is made up. If you were important before the apocalypse, you're going to be important after in the Commonwealth. But really, bowel movements, I really just don't see the importance of that. I mean, do they have a limited amount of toilet paper? And they don't want it running out quicker because you use more than another person? After hours of this, Ezekiel snapped, asking a silent mercer if he was the guy in charge. He was, and guessing that he'd previously been a beat cop, which was why all they had to do was give you a pumpkin-colored spacesuit and you're back to power tripping with your head up your own ass. Ezekiel might have dug himself even more deeply had he not been overtaken by a coughing fit, the result of his harmless goiter. Afterwards, Eugene urged his pals to have faith in Stephanie, uh, who warned that her peeps were exceedingly cautious. But after they saw a fellow prisoner being hauled off for reprocessing, even Eugene was like, "Okay, gotta go." Thanks to Princess eavesdropping, they knew just how to swipe a couple of stormtrooper uniforms. However, within the uh, with the exit in sight they passed what Ezekiel called the Wall of the Lost, a bulletin board full of pictures of folks to be flagged for expedited assessment and admittance. Among them was a flyer searching for a guy named Heath. Remember Heath? Possibly Corey Hawkins' character not seen since season seven when he got separated from Tara. Our protagonist didn't notice that so much a note uh, from Yumiko's brother, Tommy. If he was there, she, well, she had to stay. And that is a plot that is going to be unfolding as the season progresses. Just a reminder, this season of The Walking Dead is broken up into three parts, A, B, and C. Uh, My prediction was A is really going to be about Negan and Maggie. B is going to center primarily on the Commonwealth. And my prediction on C is something is going to happen that's going to let everyone sort of have a clue what Michonne is doing and that Rick Grimes might still be alive. So there you guys have it. Uh, Our review of The Walking Dead Season 11 premiere. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are pretty much out of time. Uh, Tune in tomorrow for our special guest, Mauro Ivan Ojeda. His movie, uh, La Funera, called The Funeral Home in English. We're going to be talking horror movies and everything with our interpreter. So make sure to tune in for that. Thank you guys so much for being here with us over the last hour. Uh, So that's it for tonight. Stay safe. And until tomorrow night, guys, remember, I've been saying it since day one. And I'm going to remind everybody again, stay walking is not in reference to The Walking Dead. Stay walking, the way I close out every show, is... No matter what life throws at you, get your ass up, dust off, and keep going. So, till tomorrow, guys, stay walking. Good night.